Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah wa sallallahu ala muhammadin wa alihi al-tahirin Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah and welcome to this podcast series of A Commentary on Nahj al-Balagha by Mizan Institute Thumma fataqa ma bayna samawat al-ula famalaahunna atwaran min malaikatih Minhum sujudun la yarka'oon wa ruku'un la yantasibun wa saffoon la yatazayaloon so after the first khutbah of Nahj al-Balagha is done discussing the creation of the universe, Ali ibn Abi Talib moves on to the creation of the first beings. Now, I'm just concluding that these were the first beings because they're the first beings that the Imam speaks of here. So we're just making that assumption that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala based on the chronology that is presented here in the khutbah, that Allah created the angels first. So he says that, ثُمَّ فَتَقَ مَا بَيْنَ السَّمَوَاتِ الْعُلَىٰ ثُمَّ Afterwards, in other words, once the creation of the universe was done, he created the openings between high skies, the translation says here. فَتَقَ مَا بَيْنَ السَّمَوَاتِ الْعُلَىٰ what I want to say is that it sounds more like this part of the khutbah is saying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took the heavens, the high heavens, al-ula, the higher heavens. And here, by the way, let me say this as well. The higher heavens probably is referring to those heavens of the universe that are not material. Because he's speaking of the angels here, it shows that the higher heavens, what is meant by it, is the immaterial part of the creation of the universe. So it's not like he is referring to the higher layers of, let's say, uh, the skies of this dunya, of this material, of the material part of the universe, of or of creation, but rather the higher heavens here is probably signifying the immaterial layers, let's say, of the heavens. So it says, فَتَقَ مَا بَيْنَ السَّمَوَاتِ الْعُلَىٰ As if he pulled apart the layers of these higher heavens so that he can do what? فَمَلَأَهُنَّ أَطْوَارًا مِنْ مَلَائِكَتِهِ So that he can fill up these gaps and holes and distances between these different layers of the higher heavens. Fill them with مَلَائِكَتِهِ Angels of his. أَطْوَارًا مِنْ مَلَائِكَتِهِ Different categories of his angels. Okay, so in this part of the khutbah, we're going to have four of those categories that the imam points out. And we'll get to that, inshallah. Do we have the same idea also in um, khutbah 91 of Nahj al-Balagha? Here it said, فَتَقَ مَا بَيْنَ السَّمَوَاتِ الْعُلَىٰ Over there it says, وَمَلَأَ بِهِمْ فُرُوجَ فِجَاجِهَا which is um, getting across the same message that he filled the holes and gaps of those heavens with his angels. Or we have another um, hadith as well, or another khutbah, excuse me. Um, well, it's not another khutbah, it's actually the same khutbah. It says, That that in all of these heavens or the skies above, uh, you won't find the space of a skin even, except that there's an angel there. So how thin is skin, brothers and sisters? All right, A layer of skin is very, very, very thin. 
So he says, if you look into the different layers of the of the skies and the heavens, if you find any space as thin as skin, there's going to be an angel, an angel there, which is very interesting. Okay, so he moves into the first category. Minhum he gives us four examples of the first category of angels. Okay, The first category has to do with the angels that perform worship. That's like all they do. They just do worship. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. But for now, let's get to the text. It says, Minhum sujudun la yarka'un. There are some of them that are in a constant, perpetual state of sajda. And they don't do anything else. They don't perform ruku' or anything else. They are only doing sajda. وَرُكُوعٌ لَا يَنْتَصِبُونَ some, some of them are in ruku' They're bending down, but and, and they never get up from this. They never straighten their posture. That means they're always in a state of bending down and doing performing ruku' to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then it says, وَصَافُونَ لَا يَتَزَايَلُونَ that there are some of them who are in a state of standing and they never change their state, their posture. They're just always in a standing position. Now here, there is a difference of opinion on what this means. Some say that safun means that they're in lines, that they're in lines um, ready to, per, to carry out God's commands. But others say no, here standing in line in worship and the reason for this standing in line for worship seems to be more accurate of an interpretation is because the previous two segments were saying, we're speaking of sajda, we're speaking of ruku'. These are the different states and postures we're in when we're doing, when we're performing worship, correct? And so when it speaks of safun, standing in lines, it's probably also speaking of standing in lines in worship. And that's a good, I think, a context clue for understanding this part of the khutbah. Okay, so... There are some who are standing. What else do we have? وَمُسَبِّحُونَ لَا يَسْأَمُونَ And there are some of them that they are in a constant uh, state of dhikr, let's say, and glorification of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they don't get tired of this either. There's no fatigue that over overtakes them either. Now a question here to be asked is, when it says that these angels are performing ruku' sajda, or they're standing in worship, is that uh, the same as human beings when they stand in worship. So for example, when we say the malaika, the angels are performing sajda, does that mean that their sajda looks like ours when we perform sajda in salah, for example, or no, it's something different. And so here it depends. It really depends, they say, on how you uh, see these angels. Are these angels immaterial beings or no? Are they material beings? The mainstream, I would say, prevalent view is that Angels are not material beings. And so because they are not material beings, this is symbolic. It's symbolizing something for us. That they, they, they are doing worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if they're going to describe the worship, if someone's going to describe their worship for us, they have no choice but to compare it to our worship and say sajda, ruku, and all of that. Or else it's not like they're actually... Bending down, for example, with their hands on their knees like we do a ruku' in, in salat. Or like that they are on the ground performing sajda and prostrating the way we do. No, it's all symbolism here. But if someone believes that, no, they're actual material beings, then that there is room 
to argue that they are also performing sajda like us. But as I said, this is not the mainstream view. The mainstream view is that they are material, they're immaterial beings. Okay, so that's one point here. Another point that has been discussed is what is the purpose and philosophy behind the worship of these angels? Some have said, okay, their, their worship is there so that the people, and we are being told of their worship, so that we never become arrogant. We never feel like our worship is enough. When we learn about their worship, how they don't get tired, how, how they continuously are in sajda and ruku, then I'm not going to be, I'm not going to feel arrogant about my like one minute sajda that I did like yesterday. It's not going to be something that I'm going to be too proud of, you know. That's one thing that people have, some of the scholars have pointed out, and I'm not going to be, I'm not against that. I don't have a problem with that personally. Um, I think that that is one of the fruits of learning of the worship of the angels. When I when I hear that the, they, their sajda is a long one that is going on forever, then I'm not going to feel all uh, proud of myself when I perform a sajda that's like two minutes long, you know? But is that really the only or the main purpose of the worship of the angels? Even before mankind was created, probably, angels were performing uh, this worship. Like, is this the only reason? I don't know. Uh, some of the commentators of Nahjah Balagha, they've pointed this out as the philosophy of the worship of angels. I don't know if that can be mentioned as the only uh, reason for it. And so here, there are two more things that can be said. These are things to think about. And of course, anything beyond this, um, anything more to discuss on regarding the worship of the angels and anything else regarding the angels really, is going to be beyond the scope of this commentary, which is a basic commentary of Nahj al-Balagha. Each of these require their own research. But two more things can be said here. Number one is that these angels, some of them, they are exposed to the, to the magnificence and majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the natural result of that and outcome of that is going to be that they are in a perpetual state of worship. They cannot do anything other than worship Allah because they see the great the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is one of the reasons why this ibadah is taking place by them. Another reason that can be mentioned is that um, that in the whole system of creation, brothers and sisters, this whole creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there are some things that are happening that we are not aware of. The reason, the exact reason for it, all we know is that it plays a role, a taqweeni role in things. In other words, things would not be functioning properly in the cosmos, in the universe, in creation, if there were not just some angels that are in a perpetual state of worship of Allah and glorification of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is not a need by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for their ibadah, but rather it's the opposite. The cosmos, creation, universe, all of them are in need of some beings out there always being in a state of worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't have time, as I said, to get into these details. They're beyond the scope of this commentary. But these are just some ideas that are out there in regards to why the worship of the angels is there. There are so many secrets in creation that we're not really aware of. Philosophy will answer some of these questions sometimes, but all in all, if we don't come to definitive conclusions, 
then these are going to be some of those things that we're going to have to learn, inshallah, on the other side once we leave this dunya. Yes, but uh, this is not to uh, dismiss any research that is out there on these topics. No, these are things that have been discussed and the likes of Allama Tabatabai and others have discussed in their tafsir. What is the reason for angels? What Especially the angels that carry out certain tasks isn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all powerful, almighty? Does he need the help of angels? There are all there are very nice philosophical discussions and answers to these questions. لا يخشاهم نوم العيون ولا سهو العقول ولا فترة الأبدان ولا غفلة النسيان. It says that these angels that are worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it never happens that sleep will overtake their eyes. Once again, eyes here is also probably symbolic. It's not like angels have eyes if they are immaterial beings. So what it's trying to say is that they don't get sleepy. The slip of wit, the translation says, does not. Uh, they're not made subject to that either. Um, in other words, their minds won't shut down um, or slow down as a result of the worship they're doing. They won't get fatigued and tired physically, once again, um, as a result of worship. Forgetfulness will not overtake them. All of these things, none of them happen, none of them take place for the angels of worship. Why is that the case? Well, two reasons can be given here. Number one, because, hey, didn't we say that they're immaterial beings? If they're immaterial beings, then it doesn't make sense for them to be made subject to any of these things because immaterial beings are not prone to these matters these things are the result of being a material being not immaterial so that's one reason why none of this happens for the angels of worship but another reason that can also be given is that because they are so engulfed in the majesty of Allah as was said in the greatness of Allah they are oblivious, totally oblivious to anything. In other words, if, even if they were material beings, they would not become tired, they would not fall asleep because of the ma'rifah and the understanding that they have gained of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The shuhud they are experiencing, the disclosure that they have witnessed of God, it is impossible for them to fall asleep, to get tired or anything like that. Even if they were material beings, as if. So I think that this is also a very nice thing to say here. So how can someone get tired? It's, we can give examples of this for ourselves as material beings, us human beings. For example, if I'm bored of something, if I'm bored somewhere, time will pass very slowly. But if I am in the middle of something that I enjoy so much, time passes so quick, five hours will pass and I feel like it was five minutes. What happened here? Or for example, when I am doing something I really like, I won't feel the fatigue. I won't feel uh, I won't feel tired or sleepy or anything. After like 72 hours, some people will, de will be doing the work that they like. But if I'm doing something I don't like, I get tired very quickly and I will give up easily, right? So these are just examples. So someone can also say that, yeah, they're not getting tired because of these reasons. Yes, true, they're immaterial beings. But even if they were material beings, because of the ma'rifah, because of the shuhud that they experience, have experienced, they just cannot get tired ever. They cannot get sleepy ever. right? So there are two very important reasons here why they don't get tired, they don't get sleepy, 
and none of that happens for, to them. So this is the first group of the angels, the ones who perform ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are in a perpetual state of ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But this is not the only group of angels. This is only the first one out of four that Amir al-Mu'mineen explains in this, in this first khutbah. The uh, second, third, and fourth categories, inshallah, for ensuing episodes of this commentary, inshallah. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you.